And we're live. I'm Sebastian Couture, and I'm the host of The Interop. The Interop is a podcast that's all about understanding the economic decentralized networks that make up the interchain. I'm here today with Brainjar, who is the CEO of Composable Finance. How are you doing, Brainjar? Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks. Uh, thanks for being here. I'm like really excited to finally have this conversation on the podcast and get deep into all of the uh, visionary aspects, but also the technical components that make up Composable Finance. I think it's a project that like a lot of folks in the ecosystem um, are are exposed to. Um, but uh, for me, like it's, there's, there's still some aspects of the project that I really want to understand how it works and how it all connects to each other. So really happy to have you on. Uh, before we get started, though, uh, if you're a fan of what we're doing here, please consider subscribing, hit the like button, uh, hit the bell notification on your phone to get uh, notified when new live streams uh, go live. And we usually go live on Thursday. And if you want to support the work we're doing, please consider staking to our FMOS validator. And the link is down in the show notes. So with that out of the way, um, yeah, tell me a little bit about your background, where you came from, and um, how you how you became to be a, a brain in a jar. Yeah, so um, I studied... Basically, I always used to be interested in uh, bio, actually. So I was doing a lot of bio research, like worked at um, like different research labs doing like cryo EM structured uh, structural biology and then sort of studied physics and econ at Yale and then later on moved to do sort of like basically went full time crypto and started writing um, white papers for a bunch of projects in the space and like trying to help people sort of design protocols. Um, then I basically became a like farming degen when DeFi summer started in 2020, then started composable in 2021. And so you're like more, more in, you study biology, right? I studied right. physics, physics at econ in college, but I spent okay. a lot of my time doing bio research. Yeah. Okay. Like for, um, for like pharmaceuticals or. So it was basically like we were studying the Golgi apparatus, uh, which is this organelle in the cell that does like packaging of proteins before they're exported out of the cell. So like heavy biophysics basically, um, which actually like a lot of people sort of like, I feel like a lot of people in this space do come from bio because it's like a very mechanistic, yeah. um, specifically biophysics. Like it's a very mechanistic ecosystem, like having blockchains talk to each other is very much so similar to how cells like talk to each other from a mechanistic perspective. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it's like all this stuff really came sort of naturally to me. Uh, so yeah, it was definitely a good background for this space. Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, Meher Roy, who's my, my co-host on, on Epicenter, is also a biochemical engineer, worked in pharma for, for many years. And I've definitely crossed a lot of those folks, you know, in, in, in crypto, like physicists and uh, and, and people who um, say like bioengineering and that kind of thing. So, yeah, interesting. And um, and so, you know, from from that, like, how do you transition uh, into crypto? Like you said, you were doing some DeFi, DGen stuff, but like, what was the moment where you said, huh, like these cells are interoperating in this way. This is how it should be done in crypto. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so I think basically like I, I was a Bitcoin maxi in like 2013, 2014. And then I Weren't discovered it. Yeah. And then I discovered <laughs> uh, Ethereum and Polkadot and Cosmos kind of like one after the other. Um, and then I was really like excited about Polkadot and Cosmos because for the first time, it was like the prioritization of chains actually talking to each other, yeah. which for me was interesting because we wouldn't have this like capability. We, we would no longer have like this segmentation of maximalism um, across the different ecosystems, which like in 2017, 2018, the narrative was always like, oh, like ETH is going to flip Bitcoin and then there's all these like ETH killers out there. And I just sort of like realized at some point there's going to be, there's going to need to be an interoperability solution that connects all of these things. Even if um, like, I don't believe that there's going to be application specific 
like chains. I think there's going to be application specific ecosystems um, that have application specific chains, but maybe like each ecosystem has like a specific blend of applications that exist within it. Um, and so with that thesis, I was like looking to see what was out there and research connects and research a bunch of other trusted bridges and quickly realized like there is a need for this stuff, especially with L2s coming out. And yeah. yeah, I think just being a farmer and seeing like how bad the gas prices were when people were actually using the chain, like the fall of 2020 specifically, um, I think there was like something really went off in my head where I realized like we do need trustless bridging infrastructure, but more, more so than that, like the fact that all these uh, applications went multi-chain, but then had segmented liquidity, um, there needed to be an, an application layer that actually people could build applications um, that could unify and talk to all these different uh, segments of a specific protocol across multiple chains. So hmm. I realized there was this need and this, I think the ecosystem that I realized we would need sort of like a robust infrastructure for this um, as an actual chain and also shared security. And so we decided to launch as a Polkadot chain, but the plan was always to incorporate things like Cosmwasm and IBC um, to achieve this greater vision. And for me, like this greater vision is just creating the best possible user experiences for people accessing Web3, but like not actually just BSing about it, but doing it in a methodical way yeah. where there's like the contract layer, IBC and the infrastructure. Yeah, and in re reading through your docs and all, all the times that like I've heard you speak or I was at your event, I was in Berlin a few months ago and you know, th there's a, there's certainly like a very technical aspect to everything you're doing and like you're building really sort of deep deep crypto tech and uh, and, and that's super interesting. But th I think like through all of your communication and also like the branding, I, I think that what really bleeds through is this this idea that the user experience uh, is is why we're doing all of this, right? Like it's, it's not just building cool tech to build cool tech. It's like actually building um, applications and experiences that people can use. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think that's that's pretty cool, and it's quite quite unique. Uh, uh, not 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 every you know uh, kind of blockchain project I think looks at it this way. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I agree with your with your with your thesis that there are application specific ecosystems and and then chains within those, and the need to create interoperability there uh, is is really uh, it's really critical. And you know, early early today, like as we were, I was preparing for this, I was thinking about. Like what's a good analogy? Because I'm, I'm trying, I'm always trying to like analogize what's happening in crypto to what exists in the real world. Because yeah, I'm speaking with like investors and people who don't get it, and so like who need some kind of frame of reference. And you know, like there's been this this concept of like city states, nation states, and you know how cities relate to boroughs and uh, this kind of analogy. And I think one one analogy that might be fitting uh, is to to look at you know the major financial centers in the world. So you have like New York, and like there's the New York Stock Exchange and NASDAQ, and then you have like the London Stock Exchange and then Amsterdam and maybe like the Chicago uh, Commodities Exchange, whatever that one there is, and like all these financial centers, they all have, you know, their kind of core proprietary infrastructure that's sitting there in, in the building. And like NASDAQ has all these server rooms where like companies can come and like put their, put their algorithms there. Um, but then there's like all these other kind of rails and, and I guess like, pipes that allow liquidity to move in and out of that. And like it might be a bank or something that, you know, is, is sitting in, in New York, but is also sitting in London and they get to move liquidity from like one exchange to another. And like, these are kind of the, the, you know, compare it comparatively in crypto, like the interoperability layers, like that allows liquidity to move from one proprietary sort of system to another proprietary system. I, I'm, I'm just like kind of split, spitting this out now without having really thought so much about it, but I, it feels a little bit kind of like that. Um, I, when, when I'm looking at like what you guys are building, what other folks in this space are building. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the biggest, like, like for me, hello. 
Yeah. Okay, I'm back. I think you're back. Yeah. Uh, right. So what I've always likened this to is basically um, equities. So there's the first ever post I put out on Medium was about DTCC and what it did for the ecosystem. So DT, DTCC is the Depository Trust Corporation. Not a lot of people know about this, but it basically does um, all the settlement for all equities across the United States and actually assets that are not settled by DTCC, like leveraged loans, like um, exotics, et cetera, various derivatives. These things end up taking like taking such a long time to settle. Like T plus 28 is like average for, for yeah. leveraged loans. Um, but in equities, like we had NYSE, we had NASDAQ, we had all these different small little brokers that made a bunch of money in the 80s that could quote better prices because they had a better relationship with XYZ exchange than some other, some other broker. Um, then along came DTCC, which basically said, okay, guys, all things now need to have a QCIP ID um, and all things now basically need to trade and settle according to our ledger. Um, yeah. And that just ended up resulting in electronification, right? Because then someone, someone like dark, dark pools said, okay, all I need to do is build a plugin on top of this settlement layer. And I have a dark pool. And that's when people like Robin hood and, and others, a light really went off in their heads and said, okay, with, with this electronification that just happened, now we can make it such that a user buys a stock google or something and they don't care which exchange who settled it why when it got settled they just know that they bought the stock <clears throat> and i think that's that is really much so like how i see things evolving in crypto as well like when you have interoperability and when you have orchestration you can then have primitives on top things like mev things like uh other sort of like uh arbitrage opportunities, et cetera. And from there, you then can have these like generalized application frameworks. Like we've released some example UIs of what you could build with XCVM. And it's literally just looks like an email. Like you start with these assets on these three chains and you would then want to compose those assets into these three assets on these three chains. That's it. And at some point too, people may even stop caring about the chain that they're on. Mm. And just know like where their money is. Um, and so I think that's, that is like what I'm hoping to do is, is to provide the interoperability primitives by extending IBC to other ecosystems, provide the orchestration framework with XCVM and then have like a bunch of UI tooling for people to actually build applications because this stuff can't just be a plugin, right? We are also working on a plugin, which is a bit of an alpha leak for people to inter for people to be able to build um, integrations with XCVM that allow them to to do stuff from the front end perspective, it's called mm -hmm. XCVM.js. But for someone to actually wrap their head around how do I visualize a cross chain interaction, I'm pretty sure there's probably like 20 designers out there that actually could build a UI that's not clunky to show this, because yeah. every single cross chain application is terrible. Um, or at least for the most part. So I think, you know, that's also why we're releasing a ton of UI tools in the coming weeks and months. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think it's like great to be opinionated about UI too. Right. Um, because you, you kind of set standards early, like look at, look at something like, like Uniswap, you know, like that yeah. UI also, although I would, I would argue maybe that the Uniswap UI was actually pioneered by Shapeshift. Yeah. Yeah. A long, long time ago, but you know what I mean? Like, I mean, once that UI has been established now, everybody kind of uses that, that UI and, you know, to have like strong opinions about how, how that should look like, I think it like goes a long way in creating standards and that people, people are used to like visually used to like when they go on a website, they know how this works. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. This, this is really interesting. Um, you know, the, the white paper talks about the composable finance vision being similar to that of the, the port control protocol, which uh, I, I really like that analogy. Maybe maybe you can um, explain that a little bit and then we can get into some of the some of the more technical stuff. Yeah, I mean, so basically, like um, everybody's looking for like the TCP IP of blockchains and then like the HTTPS on top of that. TCP IP is essentially IBC, 
um i think it's like careless for any like i don't know how much you want to go into like me ranting about ibc but basically like do it man yeah so <laughs> you're I, on the right I, podcast for that <laughs> yeah so i mean i think i think um our perspective has like really been shaped by the work that was done on ibc over all these past years and i've seen a bunch of protocols pop up and say oh we're going to create our own message passing or for instance layer zero who takes uh who basically took ibc and said okay all the work that light clients are doing let's just replace with oracles and relayers which is like i don't think people really care or understand the impacts of that um until these types of things get hacked but when you really think about um what how do you onboard the next hundred billion dollars worth of institutional assets into the ecosystem do you really think a circle or a um institution like franklin templeton like one of these guys that has a lot of capital that's doing really important stuff for their clients across the global economy are they going to want to take a risk um at all and then have to go back to their lps and say hey we've lost 300 million dollars to a bridge hack sorry so from my perspective when i when i learned about ibc all these years ago i was like okay this is like the only trustless bridge out there period and that's just the reality um and i think where ibc was limited initially was ibc wasn't able to go cross ecosystem but now we've obviously changed that by bringing that to Polkadot, by bringing IBC to Near, and a whole bunch of other chains in the future. It is really hard, right? Like um, speaking with like other bridges, they always mention that building IBC connections are really hard, and it is really hard because you have to do so much political like uh, discussions with so many different protocols. You have to make protocol changes. You have to update repos from different maintained by different organizations. But once it once it's done, something like this that is trustless is actually something interested, interesting for a large player to get involved with to do bridging, because again, there is no reason for a circle or an, or Franklin Templeton or any of these guys to get to want to do bridging if they're going to even have 0.005% of risk. Um, because they just don't have to take that risk, right? They're big enough where like their 2% APY is enough um, on US Treasury notes. So I so fundamentally for me, like I believe the the future of interoperability, TCPIP for blockchains, yes, there will be people who say, okay, it's expensive, it's slow, but that's really, that hasn't even been shown yet, right? Like layer zero says, okay, we ripped out the light client because we expect it to be expensive with Ethereum 2.0. It's like, okay, guys, uh, sorry, expect it to be expensive with ETH. Yeah. But then actually, if you look at ETH 2.0, it's possible and it's doable and all like, they're basically just saying this stuff is expensive and slow because they don't know what they're talking about basically. So. I think yeah. a world in which we expect to see like full trustlessness and TCP IP will converge on IBC once all this noise of like excuses basically goes away. Um, I, I, I haven't had the, the zero X guy, uh, the, the, um, the layer zero guys uh, on, um, but, and, and I haven't dug deep into, like I read the white paper when it first came out and, but, Everybody that, that I talk to seems to have this 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 gripe with with that, that project that it, it's like that it, you know it had gathered all this hype, but that it's not very uh, not very secure. I think someone described well, it as like two multi sigs. Yes, um, I mean <laughs> the reason why people specifically in the Cosmos ecosystem don't like Layer Zero is because how IBC works is you have to basically submit a block you. Chain A wants to submit a message, and it, there's two things that are required. You need a you need a um, a block header submitted to the next chain, and you also need um, a confirmation proof, right? And so in IBC context, these things get hashed and are passed by a relayer, and the light client of the other chain on the other side um, 
my client of chain A on chain B verifies these things. And that's fully trustless, no need for a centralized authority in the middle. What layer yeah. zero did is they said, okay, block header, we're just gonna have an Oracle figure that out, no problem. And then we're also going to have the relayer say, okay, this proof is legit as well. So now mm. you've taken both of these components that are like essential to confirming a, a cross-chain transaction and given them to external third parties who, if they're the same, they can just pretend, right? Um, so yeah, and there's like, no matter what they say, like pre-crime stuff that they're putting out, like the end result of this, and I don't wanna make this whole podcast ripping about layer zero, but like the end results is they've really just like misappropriate, like it proves that IBC is extendable to other ecosystems if they're using this tech, right? This concept, but they're also sort of like blaspheming IBC because IBC is supposed to be trustless and they've now taken both pieces of verification and given them to centralized third parties. Yeah. Yeah, and I think like to 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 an IBC maxi uh, to uh, to someone who believes in IBC, um, I think that's sort of sacrilege. And uh, yeah, yeah. Well, let's um, let's let's dive let's dive deep here. So you know, C Composable has you know, many different layers uh, in its stack, and you know, you mentioned the the Picasso parachain. We'll we'll definitely get to that, um, but. I'd love for you to walk us through like the different layers of the stack and what each layer, what is the kind of role of each layer? Maybe we can kind of stop uh, after, after each, after each layer. So, um, you know, just to kind of summarize here, as we go into this, uh, there's the composable XCVM, which is the cross chain virtual machine, mm -hmm. um, similar to say like an EVM on Ethereum, right? Like I think most people have like that idea of a VM. And then there's the routing layer, which um, has a role of routing different transactions that are ex explicited in, inside a contract written on the VM. Um, then there's the Picasso chain, which I think from what I get, like uh, acts as the way to actually send transactions cross uh, on, on chain. And where Picasso uh, is relevant is that it is IBC compatible. Mm -hmm. And then there's Mosaic, which is a bridge but I'm not quite sure where that fits here. So that's kind of my high level understanding. Please tear that apart. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so how this stack was basically envisioned is like the sort of similar to the OSI networking model. So you have like, and, and I don't have it in front of me, but it's basically like application layer, presentation layer, networking layer, blah, 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 hardware layer, infrastructure layer, something like that. And so, um, how we decided to architect our stack is XCVM is like the orchestration layer. Then you have um, the transport layer, which is IBC. And we, we also make XCVM extendable. So if someone does want to use layer zero or something, they can. Uh, then from there, you have the, um, the infrastructure layer, which is this. Uh, and then before transport, there's routing layer, which is just as you mentioned makes a decision of a pathway for execution for a generalized function like swap. And then at the bottom, you have this infrastructure layer, which is our parachains. So starting with starting with the parachains, actually, um, we have built basically two parachains, a Kusama parachain and a Polkadot parachain. Kusama is Picasso, Polkadot is called Composable. And what they are is basically imagine them as kind of like Cosmos SDK chains, but they're just written in substrate in a different environment with shared security from the relay chain. Um, what we've done is we've built, you know, we've had to build a lot of primitives for the Polkadot ecosystem for the Polkadot ecosystem to actually have DeFi. So we've built a DEX called the Pablo DEX. Um, and we've also built uh, Apollo, which is an Oracle, um, which is like the first Oracle in the Polkadot ecosystem that actually works. Uh, we've also built vaults in there called Cubic. So we've had to build a lot of fundamental basic infrastructure for the parachain itself um, to actually like run and, and do DeFi things. And we consider Picasso to basically be this and, and Composable to basically be this like 
uh, um, cross-chain hub in a way where like you have a DEX on there, there's a bunch of different connections to other chains over IBC. There's, it's also connected to parachains um, and eventually you want to connect it to ETH2 and stuff like that. Then when we had all these initial pieces, we said, okay, cool, but you know, this is just Polkadot and I don't really like have any attachment to, to like seeing one specific ecosystem succeed. I want to see all the ecosystems in crypto that people care about, like included in our solution. And so we said, okay, well, this is a very base level customized infrastructure um, that we can, you know, quickly perform runtime upgrades, et cetera. Next step was then to build, um, to build IBC to other ecosystems. And that's actually where that Centauri, if you want to pull up that graphic again, Centauri is, is what we call our bridge to Cosmos. And so what we've done is we've had to basically, so a lot of this work actually started, a um, bunch of people were working on this in the past. It never really got much traction um, and things were blocked for like ever and ever. And so last year we then came in and started meeting with people like Jack, Informal, Tendermint, um, and quickly got all the pieces together and realized, okay, this is what we have to do on the uh, Polkadot side. This is what we have to do on the on the um, uh, Cosmos side as well. So from there, oh, we I'm, said, sorry, mm -hmm. just just to break in here, what what is the what, what was the motivation of of building uh, building this on as a Polkadot parachain um, versus a yeah, Cosmos I, chain? Or yeah, instead of a Cosmos chain or, or or anywhere else, or building your own chain, for instance. Yeah, so I think for for us, we were interested in in really like pushing forward uh, with a stack that we were comfortable with and that we really like were excited about. So we really like Substrate. We're all, everyone on the team is also like Rust maximalist. Um, yeah. So we had like Substrate is a very nice framework to actually build blockchains. And I honestly believe that at some point there will be substrate chains in the Cosmos ecosystem, right? Mm, also, like, interesting. I, I could imagine there being chains running move in the Cosmos ecosystem as well. So, like, I think substrate is a great framework to build blockchains. Um, and for us, like, being able to do a bunch of these interesting things that we couldn't do with the Cosmos SDK makes these DeFi applications cheaper and faster um than we would have otherwise using another stack okay so so this and and uh, so I, you know I'm, I'm not super familiar like with the polka dot ecosystem like it's been a while since i've kind of peered in there um mm -hmm. explain just for for me and also perhaps our listeners who are more on the cosmos side what is the difference between a picasso or sorry a, a polka dot parachain and, and kusama yes so Kusama was designed to basically be this, this test net, but eventually like they were, they had to like, there was so much TVL and value in Kusama that it became like the DeFi DGen hub. Like all the VCs were interested in Polkadot. And then when they all got airdropped Kusama, they all just like basically got out of their Kusama positions. And suddenly, like all these DeFi DGens, like we're like, oh, what is this like testnet token? Let's let me go buy that. Or and they were handing it out for free back then too. Mm. And then all of a sudden, like there is this flourishing community of of DGens in Kusama, but not in Polkadot. And and now it, it's sort of turned into this like heap, big ecosystem that I don't think Polkadot even anticipated would happen. Okay. Um, so for comparison, it's 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 as though we had kind of a in cosmos like the cosmos comparison would be if if there was a, a sort of test at cosmos hub and testnet osmosis and like all these other chains sort of like living on testnet validators but at some point that thing would kind of become a thing of its own with its you know token value etc i guess the difference is that here that in polka dot there is this notion of uh of you know the 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 parachain and uh and uh, the relay chain and, and so sort of like parachain that borrows the security um, from the from the main um, from the main chain. Mm -hmm. Okay, got it. Yeah, 
Definitely. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, but this is changing in the cosmos with interchain security. Of course. Right? Yeah. So these things are becoming like very, very similar. I'd say the biggest difference at, at, at some point is going to be XCM is not extendable to other ecosystems, whereas IBC is. Cosmos SDK is, is Go based. So naturally, like Rust Maxi is going to have a hard time building a blockchain in Cosmos. Yeah, I think uh, I think the informal team are working on a on a Rust uh, IBC implementation and maybe even Rust Tendermint, right? Yeah, yeah, they are. They are. We're actually working with with them on uh, on IBC RS um, and Tendermint Great. RS. But but oh, these things cool. don't change the fundamental building block. Um, so so yeah. where where does XCVM sit in in this in this um, schematic that I've got up on the screen. So this is actually just a diagram of how the, the bridging works between Cosmos and Kusama, basically. Okay. Yeah. So this is this describes like how do we connect chains over IBC like outside of the Cosmos ecosystem. And like you can see there's a bunch of different pieces, right? There's IBC RS, we have to do things on the Polkadot side with Palette IBC. We have to do things on the Cosmos side. So so these things are like super uh, complex and annoying, uh, but we've sort of brought all these pieces together, and now we're getting them audited for for a launch. Okay, so so looking at this, on one side we've got the we've got IBC and this beefy light client, and then there's a relayer, and so the relayer uh, is kind of similar to an IBC relayer where that that Tendermint IBC palette over on Picasso is able to validate transactions over um, on the Cosmos side and, and, and sort of vice versa. So it's sort of akin to IBC, but cross chain between Cosmos and and like Polkadot ecosystem. Exactly. That's right. Okay. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, yeah, I've got a couple of charts here that I've pulled from your the white paper um yeah i guess i guess this here is where the xcvm and the routing um you know sort of sort of materializes and so the um the cross-chain virtual machine is where one would write cross-chain apps uh, yes and that sits over on picasso is there an equivalent of that like on on cosmos or on other ecosystems or is that yeah something so that, yeah Actually, XCVM is chain agnostic, so you could actually deploy a XCVM contract on any chain. We're also doing multiple SDKs for XCVM. Mm -hmm. So initially, it will be Cosm Wasm. So you could oh. deploy this on any Cosm Wasm chain. Then we're really? also building a yeah. So we're also building a Solidity SDK for this as well. Um, we're building a Move SDK potentially, like deciding what happens with that ecosystem. But the idea is like. These, these, what happens is when an XCVM program is deployed, the messages that actually get sent is basically like, you know, swap here, lend here, et cetera, et cetera. These things, this route gets determined by the routing layer, which basically yeah. is a network of solvers that come together to say, okay, the user wants to do X, here's the best way to do it. And then once these instructions are created by this routing layer, we can then send it uh, the, over messages over IBC. So it's like a whole instruction set gets sent from one chain to the next, to the next, to the next for like an asynchronous passive ex path of execution. Um, and how this works is through interpreters. So Picasso has an interpreter that can interpret a message and then do something on Picasso. So you don't need to deploy this on Picasso to actually run an XCVM contract, but we obviously prefer if you do, because uh, it's easier, like, and that's what we're like shipping as the V1, but in the future, it will totally be chain agnostic. Yeah. So that's interesting. I, I, I didn't realize that you guys were building um, also XCVM, like SDKs for all the different chains. Um, why why did you build it as a Cosm Wasm? uh sort of contract and, and not as a as a um, cosmos sdk module for example yeah. something that sits much closer to, to tendermint yeah so um so that's a great question so first of all like we are 
we were we're super interested in like wasm based smart contracting and so for us like as a parachain we were first thinking about okay what are we going to have as the contract layer on our chain ink is not a viable solution so we built cosm wasm on our parachain which is like the first time anyone's ever brought cosm wasm outside of cosmos they should probably wow. rename it at this point <laughs> um and i think from from our perspective right to ship a instruction set, you don't necessarily need to have these things in a module. And so we just kept seeing multiple different chains like Juno, Osmosis, yeah. adopting Cosm Wasm. And we just said, okay, if we can tap into the Cosm Wasm developer base um, and have them create Cosm Wasm contracts, it's probably an easier time to get to MVP than someone building a, you know, a full-on kind of like module specifically. However, these different interpreters that I mentioned will will have to build a Cosmos SDK module interpreter for chains that don't have Cosmos Wasm, for instance. Mm, yeah. On on Polkadot, we've already built um, a module called Pallet XCVM, which inter which for chains that don't have again Cosmos Wasm, that's how messages get interpreted. Um, and then on Solidity, we have to write a Solidity smart contract. Aptos, we have to write a Move smart contract. Near, we have to write a Near contract. So for every chain, we have the same logic in the same types of interpreters, but specific to what that chain needs for the logic to be passed. Okay, in interesting. Wow, I'm learning so much here. Um, cool. So, and then, you know, how does the VM reason about the different uh, finality types. So, you know, across the crypto ecosystem, we have like probability, probabilistic yeah. finality, which would be something like Bitcoin or Ethereum currently. And then we have like, um, on the other end of that, we have absolute finality. So like Tendermint, and then there are chains that sit somewhere in between like provable finality, like things like the, um, Casper finality gadget. Mm -hmm. And, um, so how, how does the VM then like when you're writing an application, in XCVM, yep. and then you know you're executing some transaction where tokens are moving from one chain to another and getting sent over here and like uh, swapped, etc. Um, are are there you know specific sort of ways to deal with that when you're getting a callback? Like, how does that work? Yeah, so it's all dependent. Again, so that's why the interpreters are basically chain specific because they deal with that basically yeah so the interpreter receives a message do xyz on this chain and then the interpreter itself goes out and calls the different things for you so what ends up happening is is you you don't have um you don't have a world in which you're now like sitting wondering what happened to your to your transaction is, is it final or not because the, the interpreter is calling it for you and the interpreter understands what's actually happening like on a low level of the chain itself. Um, okay. And it's able however, to send back mm -hmm. like some, maybe some progress or so like, okay, yeah. you know, if the transaction is taking say five minutes because you've got some finality that's not as pro as, as absolute as say Tendermint, then the, the user interface would get back some kind of information, some kind of message about the status of all the transactions. Yeah. So it, think of it as a circuit, right? So it's like, hits the interpreter first, then you have one, two, three, four, as far as like whatever different functions getting executed. And then always the last step loops back to the interpreter to tell the interpreter, you know, these steps have been, have been completed. Uh, so this is like, and you could also make it such that each individual step is, you know, communicated back to the interpreter as well. We're actually releasing at Cosmoverse, like don't want to reveal so much alpha, but Basically, like there's a dev interface that lets people be able to I, see, you know, what's actually happening. So at, shortly after Cosmoverse, like we hope to release a V1 um, that lets people be able to use this dev interface, do these types of funky cross-chain actions. So, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, I think people in the chat are excited about all the alpha that's being dropped here. <laughs> 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 yeah, let, let's keep some for Cosmoverse. Let's keep some for Cosmoverse. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Um, and then, yeah, I guess like wh who are the who are the different uh, uh, participants in in all of this, right? So, 
uh, I guess like each chain uh, has its own validators, but who who's participating in routing? How are they incentivized? Yeah. And you know, so routing routing layers like something we're gonna work on next because it's like actually not as difficult as the other pieces because building a a incentivized solver pathway situation is like really not it's been uh, done. It's been done, yeah. So and the math is the same as like basically dex aggregation. Um, the hardest part there is monitoring. So we're actually working on monitoring first, right? Because if you as a solver route someone through to Terra and Terra is going through a 99% destructive death spiral, like you just messed, you just basically like screwed over the user that was accessing this application and you as a solver, like you kind of need to like take responsibility for that. And that's, that's where we're going to have to figure out like the economics of slashing so having solvers put down stakes for specific recommendations um and having monitoring tools basically like serve as a single source of truth to potentially slash a solver who's provided this like route um so the the people who are really focused on this like the the core different players in this is we need the relayers to relay to other ecosystems. So we could run relayers. Anyone can run a relayer. That's not a problem. Um, and that's really like the biggest, the biggest sort of player for us to expand. And then for us to bring IBC to other ecosystems, we actually need each individual protocol team to play ball with us. That's why we had to put out this near NEP 364 that took us like eight weeks to get past and we're actually one of the first teams outside of near to actually get a, an nep actually passed so that paves the way for um for ibc to near so as far as participants goes like all the stuff we're doing is like there's like the dev side as far as like developer advocacy to get people interested into using xcbm but then when you go sort of like lower level into like interop like ibc that's when we have to start talking to protocol teams directly soon we're going to have to start speaking to polygon soon we're going to have to start speaking to ef when we're doing these types of things um to extend ibc hmm. i think you know because of the name of the i think i need to get a bell every time someone says interoperability i need to like <laughs> ding <laughs> uh, so full, full disclosure like i'm i'm speaking with your team about um being Part of your 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 mm -hmm. sort of infrastructure, and so uh, you know there's you know oracles and and collators. Those are part of the relayer, uh, like the relayer component, right? So so the oracles and collators. So oracles are basically what I mentioned previously is like the Apollo oracles. Like the first time there's an oracle in the actual Dotsama ecosystem. Think of it like Band, but for Polkadot and Kusama. Mm. Yeah. Collator is basically like a validator for a Cosmos chain. Um, so that's what a collator is. Okay. And one of the things that I thought was interesting about the, um, in the white paper is that you make use of relayer sets. Uh, can, can you explain why? Uh, yeah, so this was a proposed... Um, so back in the day when we hadn't thought more deeply about ETH2 and the merge seemed like a very far away forgotten concept. Um, we were exploring like how to bridge to non, non light client based ecosystems, places like Solana, et cetera. Mm -hmm. So that's where like this relayer set TSS stuff comes in. It's like bridging to other ecosystems that don't have light clients. To be honest, like, We've shelved a lot of those efforts because we're IVC maxis now. And like, we just don't really believe that any, like, I think there are some ecosystems where it's like legitimately really difficult, like Solana, because they don't have like clients. Yeah. But like, if ETH2 is possible, like, I'm sure Wormhole, a trusted bridge, like, people trust Wormhole to some extent. Like, I'm sure wormhole could just sit and own Solana and then like, you know, we could be the, the canonical like ETH bridge that's trustless basically. I'm happy with okay. that future. Yeah. Makes sense. 
And I think one, one component we haven't talked about maybe briefly here is mosaic and mm -hmm. um, how does the mosaic fit into all this? Yeah. So mosaic was going to be basically what I mentioned, which is like a lot of this like non like client based bridging. Okay. So what we ended up doing is we've learned a lot from, from building those types of bridges, things like having the gas token on the destination chain, having, uh, like cross-chain swaps actually route through pools with good liquidity, um, making sure that there's an option to cancel a bridge transaction after it's been started, like all these different things we've learned. And so now Mosaic is going to become this product for that encompasses like all of our different bridges, like this, the Centauri stuff, the near stuff we're doing. Um, and it's basically going to be like the UX of our transfer sort of like same way axelar has satellite dot money okay this will be mosaic yeah. so it's like it'd be a bridge product that anybody can use and that yeah isn't quite like the full extent of you know amazing ux like kind of right there in in your app but something that's a bit more you know manual um for users yeah i mean i think i think basically like you know trustless bridging is fantastic but i think a lot of the reasons why people people really like trusted bridges is because of these UX components, right? And these yeah. things should just happen underneath under the hood. So the idea would be someone goes to our mosaic front end, they're using Centauri and these other trustless bridges behind the scenes, but they still get these benefits of gas tokens on the other side, like these, these nice UX components just are options. And I don't think we've ever seen that type of stuff like wrapped into a trustless bridge before. And so that's like really our, our intention is to make things as seamless for trustless bridges, like for trusted bridges, trustless, basically. Great. Well, yeah, I'd love to talk a little bit about the work that you're doing on IBC because uh, you guys are working mm -hmm. on extending IBC. So well, let's, let's dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So uh, I think, as I mentioned, the near NEP 364 um, was was merged last week or to actually this past, I, I forget what day it is, uh, Tuesday it was merged. So um, that's that's been kind of like the, the a pretty big highlight for near. So now we're like pretty much unblocked to proceed um, with the actual integration of IBC there. Um, so that's going to take a little bit more time, but like we're very confident in our work there. Um, and the near protocol team has been super supportive as far as um, IBC itself between Polkadot and Kusama. We released a blog two days ago where we said we're using IBC to bridge Polkadot and Kusama, which has never been done before. So that's going to be the first sort of major key milestone to tell people, okay, look like we know what we're doing with IBC. We've brought it to a whole another ecosystem and it's being used as the underlying backbone of a bridge that's bridging two ecosystems that's never been bridged before. From there, that paves the way for us to actually release this Cosmos bridge. So the bridge, the bridge between Cosmos and Pokeda and Kusama to start with. Uh, so we're already like um, speaking to a bunch of different Cosmos chains to try to like release that bridge. Um, and have it like fully testnet, testnet ready, um, and then follow that up with the near work. We're already starting to investigate Polygon and ETH too. So yeah. Mm. So when, when you say when you say like that this will be released as a bridge, I guess in the first iterations of this, this means that one would have to go to this kind of interface as you would with you know uh, um, any any other bridge, whether it's like Wormhole or Connects or whatever execute mm -hmm. those transactions but the dream is that you know basically just in your wallet um you can have some atom and you want to move them over to kusama and uh your wallet in the background is making use of this bridge to send those assets over without having to like leverage this sort of interface yes yeah that's where that's where then like xcbm and stuff becomes interesting right because for instance like osmosis could could just add an xcbm interface to their front end that talks to our chain, for instance, um, and have, if someone wants to tr trade Atom for DOT or DOT for Atom, uh, then 
you could just do that all from osmosis and on the background messages are being passed the assets are being moved you're signing transactions with your kepler wallet but the reality is like you just end up with dot on us on cosmos on osmosis yeah. And then would it be um, for the for a user, would it be like a wrapped asset or would it be more akin to an IBC asset that's kind of like native to the chain? It is yeah, I think so that's an important the, distinction. It's it is not a wrapped asset. So it's it's wrapped in that like it's so IBC is burn and mint, or it's burn mint, it's also like lock and release situation, but like yeah, IBC is basically native, right? So there's no like you don't print like Centauri USDC, like that doesn't exist, right? So uh, as long as we can get the chains on the other side to recognize DOT as the native asset that's being brought over over IBC and they add it to their assets module, mm -hmm. it'll be considered native. We, we will, on our side, make Atom, Osmo, all these assets, even some CW20 assets, like native uh, assets in our assets palette. So those chains need to basically recognize the same, the same thing, and then they will not be considered wrapped, and they're actually just IBC native assets. Okay. And uh, what, what's your, you know, what's your view on like, you know, Evmos's role as, um, you know, as a bridge to the to the from between like the Ethereum ecosystem and the Cosmos ecosystem and, um. What kind of complexity does that add? Because now, you know, the Cosmos ecosystem isn't just IBC assets, but it's also, you know, these potentially these um, ERC-20 wrapped assets that are coming into the Cosmos ecosystem through this other route, which is, yeah. you know, whatever bridges are connected there, I guess, like Nomad or... Uh, Axelar. Yeah, or Axelar. Um, yeah, we were talking, I was talking about this, I think with, um, I think with Fede where you know you could end up in a situation where you know you're moving tokens kind of in a circle and like they just kept they just they're just being yeah. like wrapped in and, and, and then you have to like unwrap them when in fact they're just going back to the main chain um yeah i guess it's like a broader question about like the complexity of like fungibility uh across across uh, across chains when you're when we're wrapping assets um what 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 you know in terms of user experience i think that this is one of the big things that we haven't quite figured out yet is like, how do we create fungibility between tokens that essentially are the same? I mean, um, that's, but that's the thing, like, do you even want that? Right. Because if you have Axel USDC and Nomad USDC and Nomad just got wrecked for $200 million plus, uh, or however much it was, which ended up making the peg of Nomad USDC basically worthless. Yeah. Like, I think that it's, I think that basically if we start referring to assets like Axel USDC, et cetera, as like canonical USDC, um, we're basically like rugging users and it's nice from a, from a UX perspective, but like if Axelar gets hacked, you just basically mapped Axel USDC to real USDC, which, I mean, there's already USDC coming to Cosmos anyway. Right. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's best to just, I understand, I think that there are ways so that you can get ri rid of the wrapping unwrapping problem and that's IBC, right? But when you introduce a trustless bridge, a trusted bridge, yeah. you have to put those three letters in, in before it to let the user know, okay, like this isn't just USDC. Like I also have bridge risk here. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I think I'd like to talk a little bit about you. You mentioned that there would be a DEX on the mm -hmm. on the parachain. Um, yeah, what, what's the what's the what's like the role of this DEX and um, yeah, how, where do you expect liquidity to come from? Yeah, so the role of this DEX is basically just like you know, Picasso. We intend to connect all these different chains. So like, let's have an AMM on the chain that is like connected to all these connections. So liquidity is going to come from the polka dot. It's going to come from Kusama. It's going to come from near, hopefully also comes from cosmos. Um, and I think the role basically is it just becomes like a counterpart for osmosis within the polka dot ecosystem. And I believe that like the world in which someone can swap, like say there's an atom 
Osmo pair on Osmosis and there's an Atom Osmo pair on Pablo. Like imagine a user on, that has Osmo on Picasso can just send the Osmo to the pool and then have the opposite side of the trade get executed on Osmosis, right? I think that's really interesting because then when you have like two liquidity pools that can now perform swaps between each other, like things become cheaper because you can introduce this, this layer of cows, like coincidence of wants, like order matching between the two AMMs. So I think, you know, it's not a competitive product to osmosis in any way. It's really just supposed to be like another cross-chain AMM out there uh, that serves as this like DEX for a hub that includes Cosmos, Polkadot, Kusama, Near, and all these other chains we connect to. Okay. Also, just because, like, in all reality, has there been any DeFi in Polkadot? No, there hasn't. So we need to actually. So I think, like, one of the major reasons we're still in the Polkadot and Kusama ecosystem is like I think there's a big opportunity. There's a lot of TBL there. There's a lot of Dot Maxis there who don't want to do anything else on other chains. Mm. So let's introduce cool DeFi primitives. We can get some of that TBL, and hopefully, like Cosmos and Near and other places can benefit from that because if the Dot Maxis minds become a little bit more open, there is a ton of TBL locked on the relay chains, right? A lot more. I don't know how much. I don't know if Adam has flipped Dot yet, but mm. like I don't think so. So I think there's like the Dot TBL that's not being used is like fresh dry powder that can flow into all these ecosystems. Yeah. Well, that that brings me to my next question: is like, what what do you uh, what is your outlook for the Polkadot ecosystem at the moment? And and I guess I maybe could preface that with a, a lot of the conversations that I've been having with people um, in like sort of in the Polkadot ecosystem and close to the Polkadot ecosystem um, feel that there has been like lots of missed opportunities. And, you know, there's, there's a, there's a time window here where Polkadot has to, you know, kind of change the course uh, and, you know, sort of remain relevant in the yeah. face of, you know, ecosystems Cosmos. that have a lot of, well, Cosmos one, I mean, like, that is one ecosystem I think right now that has a lot of hype and um, I think a lot of people think it's a little bit under the radar and, but then, you know, there's just E2 and Celestia yeah. and like, so, there's a lot of competition and a lot of, um, a lot of developers are choosing to go to these other ecosystems. And so, yeah, I'm curious what your, since you, you, you guys have been in the Polkadot ecosystem, how you feel about that? I mean, I think like Polkadot builds great tech, right? Like there's there's nice technology. Maybe a lot of people don't see that. Um, but I, I, you know, I'm keen on staying in the Polkadot ecosystem for for the foreseeable future, um, and hopefully, like we can try to drive some like adoption of like what's actually happening over there. But honestly, I think what's going to happen is like. Again, I can't emphasize this enough. Like the biggest, most bullish piece of Polkadot is DOT. Like this asset is so valuable and so liked by so many people um, that I think it could be a very solid base asset for a lot of DeFi across so many different chains. Um, so I think as far as like relevancy goes, like so long as Dot can move to other ecosystems and Maxis can stop being Maxis, Polkadot has a future. Um, I think also Polkadot will live on with Substrate as well. Like people really like Substrate. I really like Substrate. I think even if people become standalone chains, et cetera, et cetera, they still bring Substrate with them and they still want to, they still want to maintain an outpost in Polkadot as well. So I think no matter what, like, there is a place for Polkadot and it's, it's because of Substrate and it's because of DOT, the actual asset. But yeah, I, I think in the future, like to be honest with you, some Cosmos chains don't need to be Cosmos chains. They can be rollups on Celestia. Some parachains don't need to be parachains. They can be rollups on Celestia or yeah. Polygon Avail or Eigenlayer or any of these other, or even ETH2, right? So there's just like going to be this future of like, what's the actual necessity for app chains? Do Cosmos and Polkadot become layer twos on Ethereum, basically? <laughs> uh, yeah. So I don't know. I, I don't know. I think 
for the foreseeable future, this like roll up vision, this modular stack vision is like a little bit further out. I'm a big believer in it. I definitely believe in like the execution layer, DA settlement layer thesis that Celestia has. I think that everything will trend towards application specific rollups, but I think it's a bigger story than that. I think we still need monolithic blockchains to do specific things, but those things could just be in the execution layer like fuel. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I think I think that makes a lot of sense. And I feel like there's a I feel like we're at the beginning of a real um shift in terms of how we look at these ecosystems and that shift, you know, in, in three or four years from now, we're going to look back on, on these times as when things were like extremely segregated and vertical, vertical. And, and I'm not, ex I'm not my, my thesis on how this looks in five years is still not exactly clear, but one thing's certain is that um, the boundaries of each of these ecosystems is to get, is about to get very porous. Yes. And uh, you know, when when I when I think of what that is, I might you know immediately I think well, this is this is the interchain really like it is yeah. it is really the internet of blockchains where um, different different chains are cent economic centers and they 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 communicate with each other using different protocols and certainly some of those pro some protocols are going to win out others are gonna, or others are not and there will probably be dominant ones but but yeah you, users will use applications and they're not going to know where their tokens are going or how they're getting transferred or like where that liquidity is getting swapped. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great future. It feels like. Yeah. I think so too. And I think for us to prepare for the modular stack, like we really want to become like um, fuel is like the execution layer for the modular stack. Celestia is like the DA for the modular stack. There isn't an interoperability solution for the modular stack. That's what we want to be basically. Um, in, but I, again, this is like some galaxy brain stuff that like, I don't want to leak on this <laughs> podcast, but yeah, I think that's really like, I think, you know, IBC, we're only, we're only scraping the surface of what IBC can be used for. Yeah. Right. And that's all I'm going to say for now. Yeah, no, I, look, when just, just something like interchain accounts and interchain queries, I think is going to uh, create such an explosion of innovative innovative use cases that um it's gonna be so cool to see like the next year uh, i think it will be very very interesting yeah absolutely so what's the roadmap and uh what are your big milestones coming up so big milestones october um hopefully we're we're aiming to launch our ksm dot bridge over ibc that kicks off the launch of everything on picasso apollo pablo um, the Pika Picasso token TGE. Um, then after that, probably like the bridge to Cosmos first, and then V1 of XCVM. By the way, also before all of this, we'll deploy Cosm Wasm on the chain too. So that'll also on the be Picasso out. chain. On the Picasso chain. Yeah. Okay. So all these things, and then basically like uh, bridge to Cosmos then XCVM v1. That's basically like the next, like we've been working on this for a very long time. So like, and, th and this is why, because we wanted this launch to encompass everything, DeFi, bridging, XCVM and Cosmosm. So um, yeah, so that's basically the, the big goal for like the next through end of year basically is to get all of these things done. And uh, yeah, tell us more about this this TGE and uh, yeah. earlier be a token sale. Yeah, so uh, yeah, so the the shipment of the TGE begins with an LBP. So if someone wants to buy a Pika to set the price through this LBP, like bouncer LBP style copper launch situation, that's the beginning of the TGE. So someone, anyone who wants to do that, they can do that on TGE date. We'll release the actual date when we know it. But the biggest uh, thing we've needed for the TGE, right, is like liquidity. So like, who's going to actually use the Pablo Dex? And now that we have this KSM dot bridge, or we've released this, right, it's much more simple for people to understand, okay, dot is going to be the main liquidity token used within Pablo. 
and within like the the overall sort of like Picasso launch strategy. So all the pieces are there now. We just need to make sure these things are safe and audited before we ship them out to users. And, and to be honest, internally, like we have a big team um, and we also have like a dedicated QA and testing team. So like when we say QA and auditing, we don't just mean like someone like, I don't know if you've seen the meme of the guy going like this, like smart contract auditor. Like we mean like NASA style mission critical treatment of software. So that's why these things take a little bit of time when we say QA and audit. So it's a bit, so the, the launch date is a bit nebulous, but we're, we're hoping that this, uh, what we've forecasted makes sense. But of course things come up in audit, so we can't really commit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, over at uh, Interop Ventures, uh, which is my company, you know, we're we're uh, we're seriously looking at um, running some some oracles uh, in, or, and 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 um, and um, collator uh, infrastructure. So, you know, hopefully, we'll, we'll also be part of uh, part of the early uh, early genesis of the network. Awesome. Great. Um, Rajar, thanks so much for coming on. It's been really interesting. Love, uh, love getting deep into, uh, into, you know, blockchain interoperability and, uh, looking forward to having you on again soon. Yeah. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Cheers.